Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day and welcome everybody to another Momenta Edge podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And today our guest is Donna Moore, who is CEO and the chairwoman of the Laura Alliance, which is a unique organization that's focused on the emerging low power technology known as Laura. Uh, and Donna, it's a pleasure to have you today. Thanks. I'm looking forward to speaking with you as well. So first, I'd love to get a bit of context around uh, around your experience and, and, and really understand a bit of, of what has shaped your view of the, uh, you know, the technology that we're focusing on and, and ultimately what's, what's, what's brought you to your current role. Yeah, great. Well, first, let me uh, start off the gate so that the context is correct. Um, so Laura is the chip, um, the IP, the chip um, uh, from Simtech, and Laura Wan, a wide area network, is the specification for the alliance, and we are the Laura Alliance. So just as I speak, it's really important that we understand the context of the open standard versus the IP of the chip. So uh, just to set, set the groundwork. Um, so your question about... Um, my view on the technology. So here's what really excites me about this technology, and that is the ability for LoRaWAN to impact the world on so many levels. And I can give some specific examples. I'm, we're transforming business models from uh, product sales to service sales. Um, we're improving bottom lines and, with, for operations and by turning small bits of data gathered, you know, over time for new insights that makes actionable data and can really change how they run the business, how they view the business. And it's almost like your business is speaking to you and telling you things you didn't or weren't aware um, that was happening. And it, it really is impacting bottom lines for businesses. But I think that one of the best things for me that is the human welfare part, in, particularly in emerging economies. So LoRaWAN helps with food production, uh, clean water supply, efficient, efficiency of energy and utilities. Um, so I, for me personally, where I feel like we're really helping on a global scale, both financially and human welfare, I mean, just a couple more examples. Um, we help with worker safety, again, both in clean air and hazard notifications. And uh, then all the rest, you know, waste management and precision farming and agriculture. Um, so I, it's just, it's so vast and so wide that there isn't a thing out there that we can't get information from and learn from and do better at what we're doing in terms of our production um, globally. So let's let's drill in a little bit to uh, to the technology and so what makes it different from existing technologies or or even uh, you know cellular technologies? Yeah, so there is a lot that makes uh, Laura Alliance Laura Wan different and. Um, first, actually coming out the gate, if you want to look from a very broad market per perspective, it's 
where we're coming into the market and our timing, which is um, exact sweet spot timing. And I'll give you some perspective. Um, Sigfox is another low-power wide area um, organization. They are a uh, proprietary, not an open standard. But they started a few years before uh, Laura Alliance came out. And I'll tell you, they're having uh, – it's difficult because they were the first player in the market. And so for those first three years, you're just educating in the market as it's draining your resources. And, you know, you're educating the market about what LPWAN can do and how it can impact businesses. And so after three years, a lot of education now comes in and draining the funds of trying to get the word out there. And now comes in uh, the Laura Alliance. Perfect timing, right? Number two in the market. Number one <laughs> uses up their, uh, their cash to explain to the market. Number two comes in and really starts picking up the bigger deals. The market's now has the education's begun. And we're just in a sweet spot of launching. You know, again, we've got millions of deployments in the market. And, and um, MBIOT, which is the cell, pure cellular play, which there is a place for MBIOT in the market, but they're coming in, you know, a few years after Laura Alliance, which is going to be a little bit late in the market because we're already deploying. And again, these deployments, you know, you're looking at battery lives that last 10 plus years. So in terms of market position, I couldn't be any happier with where the Laura Alliance sits in terms of entering the market. Um, so that's the market, but I can, so let me just uh, go a little bit further in terms of why Laura Alliance and Laura WAN. So as I mentioned, the chip itself, the low power long range is um, from Simtech and it is best of breed technology. There is no other technology out there that has the battery life and the distance and the modulation and the ease of setup like that IP. So on top of that, we have an open standard. And the open standard invites members all over the globe, a gigantic ecosystem that we have to build uh, uh, new uh, applications for the technology. You know, we have over 500 companies. We are in over 100 con countries. We have over 100 network operators um, deploying uh, LoRaWAN use cases. And so um, the fact that we have a best-of-breed chip with an open standard is exactly why LoRaWAN has launched and done so well um, to date. And I can list a bunch of technical reasons why, but I'm not sure you, you want to hear that. But there are some specific reasons with LoRaWAN versus other technologies. So you let me know if you want to hear those or not. Sure. Well, I, I think what's what you hit on is, is this ability to provide connectivity for very uh, you know, for low power use cases where you have sensors that are going to be uh, in the field for for years, and um, you brought up a really interesting point, which I'd love to uh, love to unpack a little bit, which is the uh, you know the role of an open standard and and then the and and then the role of an alliance in advancing that open standard. And I think you mentioned you know Sigfox, which was was proprietary in technology. There have always been the uh, debates between going sort of proprietary and open and and uh, it, it at least as uh, you know but what uh, what you've described with with Laura is a, a bit of a combination of, of you know some proprietary uh, some proprietary technology but this open standard that's now starting to be leveraged could you talk about the uh, the the genesis of 
putting together the alliance, you know, what the rationale was to um, to build it. And and then and then some of that dynamics that are involved with uh, with the participants and, and the, uh, you know, the people that are getting engaged with the uh, with the alliance. Right. So. I come from um, a very successful standards background. Um, the first IoT uh, uh, alliance actually about 12 years ago. And um, I believe that strongly that if you want to capture the global market and become the global de facto standard, you have to have, it is imperative to be an open standard because that is how you create your ecosystem and that is how you drive um, you know, again, a global market is through an open ecosystem. I think, um, so let me, so Laura was started with, again, this great um, technology in the chip. And, you know, a lot of times, and why I'm really proud of that is a lot of times when you have a standard trying to create the technology, because it's done by votes and consensus, many times the technology itself can be watered down to get consensus against all the other, you know, companies that are engaged. The, the, the technology is, is, again, best of breed and not watered-down technology. It is the best out there. And then what they decided is the ecosystem came together and said, how do we, how do we take on this low-power wide area network? We've got this great technology. And they created, um, some of our founding companies created the LoRa Alliance. And, again, that was built to create the LoRaWAN specification so that, the, uh, so that again, the ecosystem – can be developed and grow this, this LP WAN technology. And the reason why it's important is that, so IoT, it, IoT is very complex. And, you know, people have been talking about IoT for years. And part of the reason why it hasn't really taken off is because it takes a village, it takes a full ecosystem to launch IoT. And it's complicated. So, it requires, you know, chipset vendors, module vendors, device vendors, gateways, servers, operators, cloud and data, solution management, system integrators. It creates all of those ecosystem players to put together a very complex, you know, true Internet of Things. Think, think of a, um, you know, a smart city. It's very complicated. So what Laura has done is our partners have gotten together and created a simple solution in all various flavors to implement this very complex uh, LP WAN IoT connectivity. And if you think about it, uh, you know, it really requires uh, expertise in each of those, uh, in each specific area, right? So you have to be, not everyone is an expert in um, in sensors or in big data, and not every company that we have is an expert in security or privacy or custom integrations or business, you know, um, analytics. So that's what it takes for true IoT. And so our alliance creates partnerships. It's brought all these expertise together, and we have they have packaged up IoT in a way that is very easy for the consumer to understand, very easy for the consumer or the business partner to implement because they put all the pieces together and didn't have someone have to run around and find the security guy or what's the best sensors or how do I integrate this? So the alliance as a partnership has made the very high hurdle of implementation ease of use for the customers. And that is one of the most critical pieces in IoT.
Could you talk about the role that the alliance plays? I mean, that's 500 different uh, companies is, uh, you know, there's a, it's a lot of different types of expertise and, and, you know, in the, in the past it's um, I mean, that's, I, I, you could see that could be pretty challenging to, you know, organize the, you know, the collective efforts across, you know, so many different potential points of view or areas of expertise. Could you talk about some of the work that the Alliance does really to, you know, to facilitate that collaboration and, 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 and some of the resources that, uh, you know, that, that, that come out of the work that you do? Yeah, sure. So the Alliance particularly exists to develop the specification, the LoRaWAN specification, which is, the application layer on top of the chip, right, that is the communication layer. And so that's one of the main goals is developing and continue to develop the specification. The second is marketing, right? So taking this whole umbrella and forwarding uh, low-power wide area networks and specifically LoRaWAN to the, um, globally for our members. And the third is developing and implementing our certification program. So we have a LoRa uh, WAN certified mark, and in order to get the LoRa WAN certified mark, you must go through our certification program, uh, have the devices get certified, and then you get the mark. And you know, if you are a customer and you're putting and you're burying millions of devices again in the ground for ten years, you want to know that that device or um, or that sensor has been developed to and tested to the LoRaWAN specifications. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, unbury millions of devices. So the certification mark is your assurance that it's been LoRaWAN certified. And that is the other leg that the Alliance provides. So it's really the um, technology, the marketing, and the certification program and the LoRaWAN certified um, assurance. Are there some lessons that you've learned from other uh, you know, other alliances or consortiums. I mean, the uh, you know I, I, there there certainly are a lot of them in IoT, but uh, there for one reason or another, some have have managed to uh, to be regarded as pretty successful, and 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 some have challenged. What are what are some of the uh, I would say some of the potential obstacles, and uh, on the flip side, some best practices that, you know, that you've looked at that you're, you, that you're, they're looking to drive the efforts at, uh, at Laura Alliance. Yeah, so the, 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 the philosophy is outside of the Alliance, our members com- compete. Inside of the Alliance, uh, you know, a high tide floats all boats, and they all are working to develop the best uh, LoRaWAN specification. They're all working to educate the market. And again, particularly in LoRaWAN, many, many, many of our, like I discussed, members are working together as partners because it is so complex. So it's really about the philosophy of, you know, you know you're not going to tackle this gigantic market um, as a single proprietor or a single company. You must come together and work for the common good, and then go, then you can go outside and compete. But internally, again, it it helps everybody to support the the LoRaWAN and the LoRaWAN Association. And I'll tell you this: for alliances, it's interesting. Um, most alliances, it takes about eight years for most standards to be created. You know, the specification written, um, the certification program put together, your membership to grow enough to scale and to maybe get the first product starting to deploy 
average about eight years, if they even do. Many times, I know many IoT alliances that don't have any product really out in the market, and they've been around longer than eight years. So eight years is probably an average. So here's what's interesting, and I just find this phenomenal. Laura Alliance has been around for just over three years, and in three years, they've come together, they've created the spec, they have over 500 members, they're in over 100 countries, they've got millions of devices deployed, they have a full-scale certification world-class program in, in under three years. And part of the reason is most technologies, most standards, are spending those first five years educating the market about why this new thing is good or why you should start adopting. But Laura, like I said, came in, Laura Alliance came in at a great time. And we're, we're hitting a crossroad of not just we're ready and available, but the market's pulling us. And it's at the very beginning, I mean, of the poll, but that's what we're seeing. I've never seen an alliance do this much in three years, ever. <laughs> so I think it's a testament to the market itself and Aloroan specifically. Are, can you point to any, uh, any industries or use cases that stand out to you really driving uh, you know, the market or, or growing the type of awareness that's really necessary as a, uh, as a catalyst for adoption? Yeah, so we as Laura Alliance have targeted uh, six verticals specifically, and I would say the markets or the verticals that are really driving forward hard with uh, low-power wide area networks, and specifically LoRaWAN, um, is energies and utilities, smart cities, uh, asset tracking, uh, buildings, so smart buildings, and uh, industrial IoT and agriculture. I would say those are, there are mother, many, many other areas. Those are the verticals specifically as an alliance we're helping to go uh, deep in this next year. But here's what's interesting. If you, so I, I rattle off these six verticals, and it sounds like, oh, okay. But if you just take one, even if we said smart building, within the smart building, a building, you know, maybe a business office building, there's thousands of LPWAN use cases which it, within each of those verticals, maybe more than thousands. So, so when you say it, it sounds like, oh, six verticals. No, no, no. It's billions of, of types of use cases. And, you know, those are just the key ones. But, but every day, if, you know, if you get on um, Google Alerts for LoRaWAN or Laura Alliance, you'll see two to five press releases a day of new use cases, new deployments, new partnerships, new rollouts, in, out, in these verticals and outside of these verticals. So it is, we are at the tip of the iceberg, barely, of where we are. And what's underneath the water is such a large iceberg or cap of ice that uh, I can't even see the bottom of the iceberg. We're just beginning. It's such a huge market. And um, that's why I find it very exciting. So, you know, and for us, we're trying to, as an alliance, focus on, on a few verticals that are very deep um, over this next year, because we could go in any direction. Well, and that's of course you. Uh, yeah, that brings up a little bit of the par the paradox of choice, of course, for people who are looking to um, uh, to get started. Could you could you talk a bit about some of the you know some of the resources, say for for companies that are looking to explore uh, uses of the of the Laura Alliance? You know what what what's What's, what would you say would be a good way to a good way to start if you were a uh, you know does just just take energy and and you have uh, maybe if you're a utility or a, um, you know or or or, or 
in the oil and gas industry, uh, and you you haven't used the technology before, um, could you? you know, how, where, where would you start to explore you know, particular use cases? Yeah, well, so many of our members, that's where, you know, many of our members are deep in specific verticals that uh, work with, you know, utilities or whatnot. But, I mean, what is common out there, just as an example, in water metering, right? I mean, water metering is a huge one, and um, how LoRaWAN is used in water water metering is both consumption for water metering if there is a leak, a leak detection, and because LoRaWAN is bidirectional, if there is a leak detected, they can remotely turn off um, that meter or that water, you know, source. Um, in terms of, uh, um, and again, any, any kind of water management, which is critical, and it also helps with uh, conservation of water. So that's just like one of millions of examples, you know, in terms of, of how LoRaWAN works. I mean... We also have, just to divert a minute, we also have, and what's making LoRaWAN very successful, is a very, very, very large developer ecosystem. And so in that developer ecosystem, they are listening to the market, and they ha- and because we're open source, they are developing more and new use cases, again, within even, say, water metering or, or agriculture or whatever vertical, based on the needs of the market that they're hearing. And again, if it's based on the needs of the market, you know, it's the market's pulling it. And so that large ecosystem has made a big difference for us in terms of um, growth, new use cases, and even deeper use cases within verticals that our members are already in. And because we have over 500 members, uh, if you're in the utilities business, we have many members that are in that sector, and they can work with to understand the use cases um, and the return on investment for their specific vertical. I don't want to name any company specifically. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, however, um, you're starting to get some, you know, real <laughs> kind of global, there's an, an enormous global footprint. And just recently, uh, you announced that there's coverage in over, uh, you know, a hundred, you know, I guess a hundred, uh, network operators globally at the end of December. Right. So, um, that, now what is, what is, the significance of that, and and you know, to what extent are uh, is the alliance actively engaged with uh, with operators, and and you know, what are what are some of the advantages of of having this type of coverage? Well, you have to have network coverage in order for the devices to send a signal to and be able to uh, you know go to the application and to ultimately to the customer. So you know, you the network is important so that we can deliver the messages and, and um, you know, provide low-power wide area networking. So the coverage is key, and we also are in over 100 countries. And um, we have public operators and we have private operators. I mean, that's part of the beauty about LoRaWAN is that, and unique as well, is that um, you can get on a public Again, network, or if you just want to have your own private network, we've got members that set up private networks, and they can manage the networks and do it as a service model. This is flexibility for LoRaWAN as well. Or the company can purchase and do it as a CapEx model, which is not true with just cellular-type competitors to LoRaWAN. Um, so there is there is a lot of other reasons. I just need to bring up this too. Another big key difference is um, we have firmware update over the air, which we just released, and no other LPWAN technology has that. And again, when you've got 
millions of devices deployed uh, or sensors deployed, um, you can update the devices or communicate with the devices using the firmware update over the air. And that's critical, critical, if, especially as mass deployments continue to uh, incur. Uh, no, that's a that's a that's a huge difference, and there. Uh, I, I think you also had uh, also alluded to the fact that you can run either a a, a public or a private network, and that's uh, that's quite different. Um, what what would be some of the advantages of of using the technology in a private network versus a, a public network, or I, I should say, what would be the the considerations that that are involved there? Right, and so the consideration is if I maybe want to purchase my own um, gateways and put them up and manage them myself, you still look to you know the LoRaWAN uh, companies to get your technologies and put it together and integrate, but you manage your own network, so you don't even have to pay an ongoing service fee, right? And so, or if you don't want to be on a public network, maybe the information you're providing you just want to keep internally to your own organization. You know, it's really dependent on specific use cases. And a lot of it, again, is do you want a CapEx model or a service model? You know, is um, how wide of an area do you want to go? Is it just a building or is it a whole city? So that's the thing about uh, LoRaWAN is, and I think people need to remember, it's very, very, very use case dependent on what your needs are. But regardless, I mean, LoRaWAN, you know, again, I'm sure as most, people have heard. I mean, it really has the lowest cost. I mean, throwing up a network is so cost effective, the longest battery life. And here's a key one too is, um, we, you know, longest range as well, but deep penetration in buildings. So many of our competitors and particularly cellular, um, they can't get in deep in buildings when you've got concrete walls or where there's no cellular coverage or over the sea where, again, no coverage or, um, Areas where it's really hard to get to, again, buried underground, LoRaWAN is phenomenal at this deep penetration and connecting, which is another key differentiator. Are there, when you, you know, when you talk to your members, are there any challenges in terms of uh, market confusion or misperception that they, uh, that they still face? I, I, I mean, I think you, you certainly alluded that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of advantages to being that second mover, right? Because the, usually the first mover is the one that takes the arrows in the back, I guess. Absolutely. That's the old, the, the old joke, right? But, um, you know, what, what are, you know, what are some of the potential market misperceptions or, uh, you know, or, 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 or challenges at least when your, your members are, are going to market and really evangelizing the technology? Um, I don't know that there is big misconceptions and I'm not sure that there's a big disconnect. Um, I just feel that it's really about, um, again, we're still early in the days of LP WAN um, so I'm not sure there's a big disconnect. I, I, what I'm seeing is, and again, in 2018, especially for smart cities and some other pretty big deployments, we saw a lot of trials happening. So they deployed and they were trialing. And what we're seeing in 2019 is those trials, and a lot of them are very large trials, are converting into actual, you know, sign we're moving forward. And, um, in, in, you know, a 10-year plan or whatever. So that's what we saw a lot of in 2018. I mean, you know, with 500 companies and being worldwide and a large developer ecosystem, 
I don't know that there's a big disconnect. It's just a matter of time, you know, and continuing to, uh, you know, drive the market and do deployments. So I think it's just a matter of time versus, versus disconnect. And again, because of our ecosystem, the barrier of IoT, which is so complex, has mm-hmm. really brought that down to a much lower uh, barrier. Yeah, and how do you, how do you see uh, the you know the LoRa technology say coexisting with uh, with with five G? How 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 does it end up being complementary? I know there's there's an enormous amount of uh, hype and interest around around five G, but uh, you know thinking about you know deploying different technologies together, uh, you know has has that has that uh, is is that become topical for you? Oh yeah, we and MBIOT is a, a cellular version that's uh, you know more light on battery. I mean, if you compare it to five G, well, here's let me let me just say it this way: the the market out there, the, the IoT market is vast, right? I don't even think we can even begin to understand just how large it really is, no matter what number gets thrown out there. And I will say this: uh, a low power wide area network which requires low power, 5G is high power, requires small signals, uh, you know, through, throughout a day or a month. I mean, not a lot of uh, bandwidth where uh, 5G is gigantic bandwidth, right? You, take, you know, you can, you know, emergency services or whatnot, immediate um, services and connection. So they're, they're very different, right, in the use cases that they serve. And what I will say is this, if you need emergency services, entertainment type data, uh, then it would be 5G, right? Because it's higher bandwidth and uh, cellular and right away, it'll be more expensive. But it, it is neat. That is not Laura's use case. So Laura WAN use case is, again, the low power, 10-year battery life, small messages, uh, in order to get the data to tell, you know, about, uh, about data to change or monitor whatever you're monitoring. Now, here's the interesting thing. Of this gigantic market, what we've been learning so far is 75% of the market use cases will fall into the small data rate, small bits of data uh, uh, market, 75%. 25%, they predict, will be the high band rate, emergency services, uh, entertainment, you know, uh, video at the door, and that'll sit in the 25% uh, uh, market, which is where 5G will sit. And so I think we have a really good market and a big market at the 75%. And again, the use cases are very different. You know, if you need low power, you're not going to go with 5G. Uh, And a a bunch of other... Uh, data points I could go on down that road as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, th- I, that's I think that's that's super helpful when you're looking looking out at the opportunity. Uh, and, and this is gl- really global technology. Can you draw any distinctions between you know what you see happening in uh, in the different regions? Who's uh, you know are are there any regions that you that you see that are really leading in adoption? Well, uh, for sure, Europe, right? I mean, many Europe is very strong. China is very strong. Japan is very strong. Uh, U.S. is strong. I, I mean, it's hard, you know, I would say right now, primarily Europe and Asia, but it's hard because we've got deployments everywhere. You know, you know India is huge, and uh, we've got many deployments happening in U.S., so 
it's global. I mean, that's what I can say. Many people say, well, where is it at? It's all over. It's global. So, you know, as you look forward, I mean, how, you know, what do you see as really key, key drivers going forward, uh, you know, in the market and, and over the next, say, you know, five to 10 years, I mean, how, do, how would you see the, uh, you know, how, how, would, how would you see the, the adoption and the market evolving? Um, so I think in the next five to 10 years, um, again, it will explode at a rate that I don't think anyone's even calculated yet. Uh, use cases will continue to evolve. But I think one of the biggest things that we'll see is with, even with the, the bits of data that's, you know, that we get you know, with the low-power wide area networks, I think the thing we're going to start seeing is predictive analytics will emerge because there is over time, right? It's about data over time or, or instant you know, emergencies, water leaking or whatnot, but, um, or a refrigerator that's you know, uh, gone, uh, uh, the degrees are less than it needs to be and you need to go fix it right away. But there's also data over time. And so I believe that we will start leaning t- towards more predictive analytics and not just monitoring and responding. No, that that makes uh, that makes an enormous amount of sense. So, um, and then just in terms of uh, you know, in terms of resources, I always like to uh, I always like to ask our, our guests. I mean, are, do you do you have a good good book or uh, or resource that you would uh, that you would recommend for you know for anyone that's interested in in diving a bit further? Yeah, you know, here's what's interesting is I'll, I'll recommend this one because uh, I know you uh, work with a lot of startups uh, companies. So one of my favorite books, especially for startups, uh, is The Dip by Seth Godin. I don't know. Have you heard of The Dip? Uh, I'm familiar with Seth Godin. I, I don't know that, uh, that, that book of his. All right. So I also give this book to um, all college grads, too. But, um, but it's great for entrepreneurs. And it's just a fun little book with a big reminder um, about when to quit and when to stick and what the dip is all about. And again, it's really, it's just a fun, quick, fast read, but you know, it, the, the gist of the book is that, you know, winners quit, quit fast, they quit often and they quit without guilt, you know, and when they commit to the dip, they commit and they get through the dip. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the bigger the dip, i.e. barrier, the bigger the reward on the other side, because so many people, companies, can't get through the dip and they give up in the middle of the dip, but you got to make sure you got the right dip. And uh, it talks about, you know, um, become our number one in your niche and you'll get more shares of the profits and the glory. And uh, I think the last, you know, kind of the last thought of the book is, you know, people who tend to not be successful uh, fall into two types of uh, traps. Either they fail to stick through the dip, which is why the greater the dip, the, and you get through it, the greater the reward, but they fail to stick through the dip or they don't even find the right dip to conquer. So I love that book. I just think it's a reminder, especially for entrepreneurs, uh, you know, running their companies and when they hit the dip or are they in the right business? And, you know, it's just a great uh, philosophy, little fun book. Well, that's a great recommendation too. And I ha- hadn't heard that before. And I've got, uh, uh, I know a few, uh, a, a few teenagers and college students that could benefit <laughs> from that as well. That's so. my annual, here's your graduation little gift. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and Seth Godin is, I mean, he's a, just a terrific writer and, and as, uh, but I hadn't heard of that one. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so excited many about that. I'm, I have many of his books and I, I, I love the way he looks at the world. 
Oh, terrific. Well, well, anyway, uh, listen, Don, it's been it's been t- a, a terrific conversation with you. I think we're we're very excited at Momenta about the the work that you're doing at the Alliance and or the work that all the partners are doing rather and, and the and the potential for the technology. And, you know, we we're we're, we're certainly quite optimistic about the, uh, you know, the growth and, and innovation that's being unleashed as this technology starts to propagate throughout the economy. So, um, so anyway, just uh, wrapping things up, uh, this has been, this is Ed McGuire, the insights partner at Momenta Partners. And, and uh, we've just been speaking with Donna Moore, who is CEO and chairwoman of the Laura Alliance. And Donna, thank you once again for taking the time to speak with us. Great. Thank you, Ed. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.